Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for the Financial Fund Podcast. And today our guest is the lovely Robin Mosser. Thank you for joining us, Robin. Thank you for having me. So, Robin, would you like to tell us a little bit about what you do? I am a real estate agent in Calgary. I have been for the last 19 years, and I also own multiple properties myself. And in the last year, I started sitting on the Real Estate Council of Alberta as a active council member regulating the real estate industry and the mortgage brokers and appraisers to protect them, the public from mortgage fraud. Which is unfortunately a very necessary thing with some of the interesting mortgage scams that have been going on over the years. Uh, well, I think uh, regulation of any industry is important. It is. It very much is. Um, and it's, a ne- it's an ongoing thing because people are always figuring out new stuff to do. Yeah. And what is your family situation, Robin? So I have a wonderful husband, which I like very much, and I have two children who are 11 years old and 8 years old, an 11-year-old boy and an 8-year-old girl. Oh, very much a fun age. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're old enough and, and with it enough to have really uh, really good conversations with and, and do fun stuff. I love those stages with my daughter. Yeah, well, yeah, old enough to have good conversations, but still fun to be innocent enough and believe in magic and Santa and all that other kind of fun stuff. Yes, they're 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 still very good as teenagers, but it's a completely different game. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robin, thinking back to like when you were a kid, when did you first start discovering like money and and that it was important and things like that? Um, well, when I really discovered it was important was when I was 15 years old and had moved out on my own and become homeless. And I started realizing the importance of having money. I think I can, one thing I can say about my, my mother is she always taught us to be hard workers. And that was from a very, very young age. I think I had my first paper route at the age of five and we would do things to earn money at really young ages. So I'd say money was always important, but I think I really grasped the concept of it when I was 15 years old and I was on my own paying my own bills. That is definitely something that would totally completely bring it home. And and how, how did you get through all of that? Because that's quite young to have to be self-sufficient. 
Um, well, I, again, because of the hardworking aspect that my mom was good at teaching me is, uh, I would, first of all, I remember living in a one bedroom apartment with five people and we would take turns sleeping on the floor. I remember working at Denny's from 11 to seven, 11 at night till seven in the morning. Cause I had convinced them that I would be a great server and that would be the best time for me to serve because there wouldn't be alcohol for the majority of my shift being served because it was after two. Then I would go to school during the day and I would come home and I would sleep in the afternoon on the floor of the apartment. And that would be my life five days a week. And then I would work Saturdays and Sundays. And I remember on Sundays, my big thing Sunday morning was to go to the Fairmont and sit there and eat brunch. And I would find any reason I could as a 15 year old to keep going to the Fairmont because I felt that that was where I wanted to belong. That's where I wanted to be and not where I was. I, I have to say that that left me speechless. <laughs> so at 15, even though you're going through all those, all those struggles and, and, and like you said, working so hard and taking care of yourself and still going to school and all that, you were still with it enough to be putting your focus on where you wanted to be going. What's funny about that is actually, I don't know that I did it consciously. I think I just did it subconsciously. I think that uh, I kept going where I felt I belonged and I knew that I didn't belong where I was. I knew I was better than that. My mom, we grew up in family housing and she was a single mom raising three kids on her own. And she always had us envying the rich. We would drive around the big million dollar show homes. We would go drive around the big communities with the big fancy homes. That's where we would go Halloweening. And she, I can say that she always taught us to envy the rich. So I think that that's probably why I always felt comfortable at the Fairmonts is because growing up, that's where I believed that was a good place to be, right? was where the rich people are or where the wealthy people are. So at 15 years old, I kept knowing that I was better than being homeless. I was better than living on the street. I was better than being sleeping on the floor of a one-bedroom apartment, I knew that I needed to be more than that. And that's why I think I just kept ending up at the Fairmont and I would go there because it was comfortable. And how, how, did, how did you find that mindset, like going up against people that would be more like your peers age-wise? Because you're not going to find very many teenagers that get that on any level. <laughs> again I don't know I think sometimes you just have a drive inside of you that you know that you know you're meant to be more I remember my mom always telling me um telling me that the only one who determined what I was capable of was me that I was she always told us we were never better or we were never no one was better than us that was a big thing is that no one was better than us no one could determine what we could do and that we could do anything. And actually, I take a bit of pride in that because my daughter was talking at the age of five to her cousin who was about to graduate high school. And she said, do you know what you want to be when you grow up? And the cousin said, no. And she looked at her at five and said, you know, you can be anything you want to be. And I was I pride in that because I remember thinking I was told that too. No one limits me but me. Oh, that is totally and completely it so you definitely got much more positive messages around money than most of us did uh you know it's funny actually I, I always believe that you succeed either uh because of people or in spite of people and I would say we grew up in Calgary housing we didn't have a ton of money um my husband 
on the other hand, had substantially less than ours and made us look like we were rich when you talk about his childhood. But uh, we didn't have a ton of money growing up. So I, the message I always got is that we had no money. And I would say that that's probably if I had to... I know it's one thing I don't tell my children. I, we never say that we don't have money. We never say we can't afford that. We say that's not the financial choice we want to make. We don't think that's a good financial choice. Because when you get people basically having the mindset, I don't have money, or we don't have money, or we're broke, or we can't afford that, I think that sticks inside their head, and it makes a blueprint, a financial blueprint in their mind, and then they'll always be that. They'll always not have money. They'll always not be able to afford that. They'll always not be able to to have that. And you'll they'll find that their bank accounts will mimic exactly what their mind thinks. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is. And so if it's about financial choices, well, that's not a good financial choice. Is that really the financial choice you want to make? No. And we have the money. We're just choosing not to spend it that way. Which which I absolutely love because I, I, when I'm working with people and stuff, I always I, I'm tell them they need to be very, very careful of the language that they use because it's even more damaging if they're not aware of the words that they're using because it's just, okay, that's said, you said, setting the blueprint becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, are you consciously choosing what you want to be doing with your money, what you want to be doing with your career, your business, your life, or are you just like being bumped around like a ball in a pinball machine? Exactly. Well, I know my son, my son is autistic. And a lot of times he's used in the past the words, I can't. And I always say, no, it's not that you can't. You either just don't know how or you're choosing not to right now. You can, because we can do anything we choose. You just either don't know how or you're choosing not to right now. And, and how do you find that your, your kids respond when you lay it out to them like that? They're good about it. I think they're used to it at this point. If they've lived it their whole lives, because they know I hate the word, I can't. So I know, so it's cute because uh, my son actually will say things like, mom, this is my choice. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Or another big thing is we talk about consequences is that when we make choices, especially when it comes to money, is that there are consequences. So if you want to go out and you want to spend $50 on that Lego and you only have $50, well, then that's it. You have no more money and you can, you're going to have to wait and save up. And we tell them that their job is to go to school and for going to school, they get $10 a week. And that's their job. Just like our job is to go to work and earn money. And uh, so they're funny that way because we have that conversation. So he'll say to me sometimes, he'll say, well, mom, this is what I want to spend my money on. And I'm aware of the consequences. <laughs> I, I I love that. You and I are quite similar in how, how we deal with a lot of things with, with, with our kids. I think it's absolutely, absolutely cute because, yes, I very much work with ALA and, okay, yeah, choices and, and, and there are consequences for all of your actions. Sometimes the consequences are good, sometimes they're bad. You don't choose the consequences, but you do choose the actions. And then the results are determined after that. So when did your kids start? noticing or asking questions about money because they're definitely at the stages where they're I'm sure they're asking lots of things or at least paying very close attention so my kids used to ask us to buy them things all the time every time we went somewhere they said we're buying mom can we have mom we want to buy mom will you buy us and me and my husband actually decided no we're not spending our money and letting you spend it like water so I think Dylan was three or four years old. She wasn't that old. And Zenon is about four and a half years older than her. So he was like seven or eight. And uh, we got an app called Bankaroo because 
I'm not a big fan of just sticking money into account for the sake of sticking it in there because the reality of it is, is at the end of the day, you're spending your visa, your debit card, because they don't have one, and trying to give them one, I think, is quite difficult at that small age. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we got them the app Bankaroo, and Bankaroo is a pretty cool app because it'll automatically put the $10 every week into their account so we don't have to, which is the other thing I'm a big fan of if you're going to come up with systems, which I'm a systemaholic. If you're going to come up with systems, they have to very easily flow with your life and they can't be a struggle because if your system is a struggle, you won't do oh, it. Exactly. So we went and uh, we came up with a system of $10 per week into their bank or a bank account and then they would spend money out of that. And I have one child, my 11 year old, who spends paycheck to paycheck. I joke around that that's how he spends his money, but it's good because it means that we have different conversations with her. And then we have our daughter who squirrels it away. And to the point, it, she gets such large amounts in her bank account. I know at one point, me and my husband talked about it, that she has so much money in her bank account. Do we really want to let this go on? I said, but fair is fair, right? Like, why should we take it away from her? If she knows how to save her money, good for her. And the only thing that we have to stop her from doing is she has a habit of trying to give her money away because she always has so much. So we have to have conversations with her about, you know what, you don't need to give your friends money. You don't need to buy that for your friends. If they're your friends, you shouldn't have to buy their affection. They should just be your friends. So we have a conversation about, are you buying that because you think you're buying it to make them your friend or have them be your friend? Or are you buying it because you actually want to give them something? And that's a conversation we have with her versus my son, where it's always like, okay, well, you're going to spend that. It's all going to be gone. You really want to make that choice. So how, how do you, do you find your, that your, that your kids ever talk? Like, do you catch them having conversations and you're overhearing where they're talking about money with them having such very different financial personalities? They do. And, and we've been there. Like one time, uh, my son actually got into a bit of trouble and his bank account got cleared out because that is one of their punishments if they do something over the top really bad. And this was, in our opinion, quite bad. And we cleared his bank account out and said, no, you're broke. You got no money. All your money's gone. His iPad was taken away for a week. And uh, while we were out shopping, because we were down in the U.S., she, of course, had this massive bank account. And she said to us, she says, Mom, Dad, would it be okay if I could give half my bank account to Zenon so he could have money to spend on our trip? Oh, she's generous. <laughs> I know. And that's when we said we talked to her about it. And we said, it's your choice. It's your call. It's your money. We talk about the consequences of doing that. And what does she expect in return? And what is her choosing for doing that? And we talked about how nice it is to do that for your brother. And then, of course, her brother, when that happened, he was quite astonished. And he says, I didn't ask for that. I said, I know you didn't. But she's offering it. And you have to understand, again, what it means to take it. So we talked about what it meant to take her half of the money and what position he was putting her in. And, you know, again, ongoing expectations and thoughts and stuff like that. So they agreed between the two of them that this is something that they really wanted to do. And, of course, you don't want to deter a little girl from being generous and kind. And Especially with her older brother. <laughs> exactly. So we had that conversation, and then it was quite cute because about a month or so later, she was asking him something, and uh, he was saying no. And I said, that's funny. I said, I remember a day where she let you, gave you half her bank account. And he's like, yeah, you're right. So he made a different choice. Very interesting. I don't know. I think I think we talk to them when it comes to money. Although my son has decided he hates taxes because I remember one time we were shopping and uh, 
he said, I have $50, it's $50. And I said, no, there's taxes on top of it. So actually you need more than $50. You need fifty-two fifty. <laughs> exactly. And he said, well, what are taxes? So I explained to him what taxes are. And in the middle of the aisle with, of course, a bunch of parents there, he looks at me and says, mom, I'm not ready for taxes. And I said, buddy, no one is. No, no one is. I remember having that conversation with with Ayla and going, we don't like them, but they're the ones that things that pay for like the roads and the schools and, and the different things. So it's part of our, our contribution to society that keeps everything going and keeps the country. Nice. I know, but it's funny because my daughter asked me the other day in the car, um, if I could get rid of get one thing out of my life, what would it be? And I said, well, taxes. And my son goes, oh, me too. I laugh. I'm like, you're 11. <laughs> yeah, I don't know of anybody who actually likes paying taxes. <laughs> so, but those are generally the conversations we have about money. Um, the Bankaroo bank account actually stopped them from ever asking us to buy them things anymore. And now if we buy them something out of our bank account, they're always in shock that we would pay it out of our bank account and not theirs. So I found it took the pressure off of that. But when we go to the stores now, when they have to spend their own money, it takes a lot longer to get them to buy things. Because now they look at things, they look at what's on sale, they look how much they're saving. Do They have to stand there and decide if this is really what they're going to play with and all that other kind of stuff. So I find that that's really funny is how they make their choices now. Like the toy store takes probably an extra half hour. They're much more conscious. I know. With, with my daughter, she doesn't have her own bank account, but she gets paid an allowance and it goes into the jars. And one of the things that she was saving for was she wanted to get a Nintendo 3DS. And her favorite color is pink. So when we went to the store, she had enough money. She was looking at the pink one, and then the turquoise one was on sale. It was $30 cheaper. And so it took her, like, a moment, but she goes, you know what? I like $30 more than I like the pink, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Where if it was me paying for it, she probably she probably would have been a lot more interested in the pink. <laughs> yeah, the thirty dollars wouldn't have made a difference. So obviously, you and your husband have have a lot of conversations with your with your kids about money, which I love. More and more parents need to be doing that and and having the the conversations and, and treating it as a normal part of growing up and learning. What are some of the lessons now that your kids are getting older that you're wanting to impart on them? Um, budgeting is a big thing. Uh, we do being in real estate and having the markets go up and down and up and down. They've actually, I don't know if people know this, but in Calgary, they have been more volatile than I have ever seen in the last 19 years and the last probably since 2009. I've never seen the markets as volatile as they have. So We've actually started a budget at home, a very strict budget at home. And we did it in such a way because I know everyone does the jar thing, but the jar thing, I'm not going to have the cash on me and on hand. And if I do, I'll spend it. So I acknowledge as to what me and my husband's actions and behaviors are like. So what we did is we went to the bank and I opened up, I think, five different bank accounts. And one bank account was our general spending account. One was a travel account. One was the fun account. And one was the grocery account, and I think one was a taxes and GST account. And the guy at the bank laughs and says, you know, there's easier ways to do this, like the jars. And I said, not for us. And then I got two different, well, three different bank cards. Well, you are doing the jar system. You're just doing it online and through your accounts. It's the same concept. It's just more reality-based because, like you said, who's going to carry that much gas? 
And that's exactly it. And the one bank card we have says general and the other one says spending. And really, I've made a spreadsheet of which goes is up in our bathroom. And it says what can come out of each individual account so that it's clear that your general account, you spend this, your, your fun account, you spend this, your grocery account, you spend this. And these are the things that you can buy and so that it's clear. And what's nice is that really the general general card never comes out of your wallet on the most part in just the spending card. And this month has been especially bad because it's Christmas, but I know my husband and I have already had a conversation about after December, we need to get back on track and be very specific again on our spending because it's, it's works well. Like we, we were so amazed as to how well it worked because it's so easy to get your, let your spending get out of control and let your spending just run away and you start not realizing that you stop looking at price tags and you just start paying for things. And we start realizing how much things cost that we do. And it's so easy to do that. And once you get yourself in a budget, like for us, we spent $800 on groceries, which is funny because it's actually the biggest question I get is how much do you spend on groceries? But 800 bucks and people say, well, I can't just spend $800 on groceries. There's no way. And I laugh and I say, you know what? As soon as you put the money amount there, You'll be amazed how quickly you adhere to it. The first month we did our budget, I remember it being halfway through the month and my husband said, well, our spending account is empty. And I said, okay. He says, well, what should we do? I said, my suggestion is, is you probably are going to take a lunch to work today because if our spending account is empty and it's halfway through the month, we're not spending anything. There's no more fun going out. We're done. And uh, it took one month. And then after the first month, all everything was in line and everything stayed in line because once you realize how fast you spend, and I remember saying to my husband when he was talking about the spending account, suggesting that maybe I had it too low. And I said, well, tell me, how much money do you need to piss down a toilet every month? How much money do you need to throw in the garbage so that that is not what's in our fund account? Like, how much money do you need to blow a month? And I said, and I'll put that in. You tell me the number if the number I haven't given you is high enough. And it was funny because he looked at me, and of course, when you say it that way, he says, no, it's fine. And then you learn to live within those means. And, and I do that with clients all the time because it doesn't seem like much when it's like, oh, well, it's only a trip to Subway. It wasn't even $10, but you add that up and then you throw in the coffees and this stuff. It, it the little things, I call them the yuppie food stamps that get so many people. They're going, well, where'd all the money go? Well, if you look at all of it, it adds up very, very quickly. And actually, I personally found once we started budgeting and once that fun account was there and there's a limit to it, that... I found my groceries were being utilized better, which I really, really liked because I hate wasting food because definitely I had a parent who reminded me about the children starving in Africa. So the waste of food was a big thing. And I'll be honest, like this is this is my big belief. In Canada, I don't believe we have real, most of the time, there are some people who do, but most of the time in Canada, we don't have real problems on a global scale. We sit here and we get so caught up in thinking that our issues are real issues. And I laughed because the other day I was grabbing some Baileys for my cabin and they have CNN playing on the TV and they're arguing about whether or not Trump is the real elected president of the United States of America. And I'm thinking we need to get real problems. 
Like, that is not a real problem. It is not a real problem that you don't have the latest and greatest iPad. The other day I was staying at the Fairmont McDonald and the valet didn't lock my car properly and I got broken into and I had some scars taken and that's it. And I laughed because when I was telling the story, my problem was that I was at a Fairmont and I parked, the valet took my car and didn't lock it properly. Yeah, it's it's a first world problem. (laughs) It is, and it, it's not a real problem. My husband ex- complained one day that his jag was bottoming out of the private health club that we belong to, and I said, that's not a real problem. Like, that's not a real problem, and I think that we get so caught up in thinking that our problems are real or valid or whatever. I hate to say it. I don't think we do. Like, even, too, and, and the closest that I have to a real problem in my life is that my niece has leukemia, and that's horrible. She's fine. That's a problem. <laughs> but think about it, though. We live in Canada, where we have health care, where she was rushed to the front of the line. She had chemo within a week, you know, and all of it is paid for. It's a problem, but, like, on a global scale, we have health care. It's a bad problem, but I hate to say it, those are our problems, and we could live in Africa, or we could live in Afghanistan, or we could live in other countries, and we could not have health care, and we could not have safety, and we could not have equal rights, and we don't have real problems. And, and sometimes it, it's because we, we live such pampered lives in comparison to so many people, we don't even realize it because we live in a bubble. We do. But this is where finances, it's come so easy to bring it back to finances, because we can make such better choices, right? If once we start acknowledging and kind of relieving the stress of having to be concerned about thinking that your problems are significant when they may feel significant in the moment, but realizing on a global scale, they're not that big. It makes the finance and the stress of finances easier. Puts it down to the more real size that it is. Um, I can't remember who said the quote, but um, if, if your problem can be solved with money, you don't have a problem. <laughs> But that that is, that's exactly it. We can, and actually one thing that I did is I actually um, back calculated me and my husband's retirement. And I actually do invest $1,200 a month into our retirement. And I have for many, 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 many years. So I back calculated what we actually need for our retirement versus what we've already saved. And I used to bust my butt and stress out and freak out every single month thinking I wasn't investing enough into our retirement. And what I find so funny about it is once I back calculated it and realized that pretty much at this point, if I just do a hundred bucks a month, we're good. And I still invest 1200 bucks a month, but gosh, it's a lot less pressure. So to wrap up here, if, if you could make sure that your kids have learned three lessons about money when you send them off, to, to be on their own, what are the three things you want kids to get? Uh, the number one thing is you don't need everything now. Some things can wait. I think that we've gone too far into everything must be now. If I want it now, I need it now. I must go get it now. And then the other thing would be budgeting because I'm a fan of budgeting and how it works so that you keep your spending under control, which comes back down to the now complex. And I would say that the third is that don't invest all your money because I've made that mistake in the past where I had lots of money on paper. I had a really high net worth on paper, but uh, we had no liquid cash. And really, once you've got things in those investments, if you do experience a downturn like we have experienced in Alberta. Fluctuations. Yeah, the fluctuations, the highs and the lows. But this, 
like, again, being in real estate for 19 years, this up and down, this last little go has been hard for a lot of people. I would have liquid cash set aside. You should have a bank account that's not invested. That's just cash set aside, and it should be anywhere from 3 to 12 months worth of bills and have that so that if something ever happens, if something ever goes bad, if there's ever a crisis in your family where you can't work, that you've got that money and you don't have to worry about cashing in an RSP or an RESP or or any any decision like that. Oh, completely agree because money doesn't make the world go round, but it sure does grease the gears. <laughs> and there's so much stress caused when 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 people when they don't have the cash and the availability and stuff. Where if you have that that cushion, that protection, it eliminates a lot of the stress and doesn't push you into panic mode where you can make some really bad decisions yeah and then my other thing is pay your house off as quickly as possible well thank you very much for joining us this was a great visit (laughs) thanks for having me thanks for having me on i appreciate it all right well enjoy your time at the cabin thanks so much Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundation's Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fund. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfun.ca.